Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave, one of the pastors here at Compass Point Bible Church, and with me today is Pastor Chris Heiss. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. Yeah, great to be back on the podcast. It is great to have you here, and I'm really excited to talk about rule of life today. I'm excited to dive in. Um, why don't you give us a little recap from Sunday? I know you were talking about the soul, all kinds of cool stuff, but uh, yeah, give us a little recap. Yeah, absolutely. So we're digging into this idea of rule of life, which has become kind of a foundational component for us in this this next season. And uh, yeah, I just started talking about this concept of soul keeping. So in the mm. book of Deuteronomy, we read Moses talking to the Israelites, just reminding them to to be faithful, to be remembering all they've seen of their parents and their grandparents uh, to enter into the, the, the promised land. And uh, he tells them to diligently keep their soul. And so we asked the question, what does that mean to keep our soul? So we talked a bit about you know, the biblical idea of soul versus maybe what some of our modern cultural perceptions are of the soul. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about this idea of soul care and just how um, we can respond um, to that idea of caring for our soul with what we call a rule of life. And, um, you know, it's a set of rhythms and, and relationships that help us to create space to welcome God and to respond to his spirit at work in us. So, yeah. I, I was struck when you were talking on Sunday um, by this way that that my idea of soul has been so informed by pop culture. And it's funny because I think, you know, I was raised in the church. I've studied this stuff. I should, the Bible talks about soul. I should have a pretty good idea of what it is. And and yet I still find myself often thinking about the soul like, like the Pixar movie Soul or like Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? This kind of like disembodied part of us. Um, talk to me a little bit more about how the soul brings us together and what is what is the the biblical image of the soul? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I just want to say, first of all, I'm not, you know, the foremost expert on this. I'm learning along with every, with everyone else and with all of you. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a sense and I would, I would confess that too. Hey, growing up and even being in the church as a, as a pastor for many, many years, you know, I've got this image in my mind that my soul is kind of this ghost-like, you know, disembodied entity that will kind of go on, you know, when my body's no longer there. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of that I've learned kind of comes out of Greek philosophy. So, you know, guys like Plato and Aristotle and even like Augustine, you know, taught this idea that souls were kind of pre-existent, yep. you know, before our bodies showed up. And then kind of somehow our soul gets into our body. They actually uh, call our body the the prison of the soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's this bad thing about our body. There's a, something bad about the physical world and the spiritual world is what is good. And so then the soul continues on afterward. And so, you know, we have uh, embraced a lot of that as a culture and that has really shaped, I think, the way we think about the soul. And you see that absolutely in movies and television and just even the way we talk about death and dying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so as I'm, you know, looking through the scriptures and kind of, you know, looking at the words that are used to talk about with the soul I, I there's there is some you know um uh lack of clarity like there's definitely a variety sure. of different ways the words used and so it'd be good for people to, to look into look into that on their own but predominantly the word soul is used to talk about something that includes the physical body um mm. at the very least mm. uh, in some cases referring specifically to the body and so we get this idea that there's a there's a sense that the soul is not um <sighs> you know, we don't contain a soul, but we are a soul. Hmm. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Um, and so it really is referring to our whole person, you know, our body, mind, um, and, you know, our emotions, everything about us. And so, yeah, so, you know, Dallas Willard, who wrote a lot about this, you know, he kind of, you know, summarized the whole thing by saying that a soul really is about the integration of every part of us. Yeah. And he talked about this idea of like a an operating system, you know, of a person. That hmm. is kind of what 
what brings everything together. And so when, when our soul is, is uh, sick or, or, or not working properly, it means that everything in our lives is being disintegrated. Mm-hmm. But when a soul is healthy and cared for, it means we bring all those pieces together into this integrated one thing that's our person, uh, which is fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love even the, the use of the word disintegrated, right? Like we think of disintegrating like some kind of sci-fi weapon that disintegrates things and makes them disappear, right? But, but this idea that we can be disintegrated, we can, we can be more separate in our being and we can kind of uh, wrongly separate ourselves into, into categories in a way that's really unhelpful. Um, I, yeah, there's something compelling. And I know... Again, I think maybe this is due to uh, scientific rationalism and, and all kinds of things. Uh, often when I've heard, heard passages preached out of the Bible that talk about us, we kind of want to break it up into three easy sections. Maybe it's the three sermon point thing or whatever, right? Like, um, And I think the Bible often is saying not that these are the, the parts of us, these are the clear delineations, but actually that everything we are, we use all the words to represent all of ourselves and we are one. Like I think the Bible paints the picture of, of us as humanity as being whole, not like separate. Um, and I think the soul is kind of the glue that holds that together. Maybe I don't know. It's a weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Again. Yeah. I'm, I'm not uh, an expert. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, there's lots more learning to do here. But, you know, a guy like Tim Mackey, for instance, the Bible Project, like he does a lot of work. So if you're looking for yeah. additional resources, you can go and listen to the podcast that they've done around the, the word study of nefesh, which is the Hebrew word for soul. There's some great mm. content there. Which means um, neck, right? Yeah. It, yeah. There's neck or throat. It's kind yeah. of the, more, the most basic use of it. You know, it certainly has other... Um, uh, definitions as well but uh, that's the most basic one and so that's where you know you really get this idea of the body being integral to that um, but you know some of what he talks about which is super helpful is just pointing us back to the fact that the hope of the christian is a bodily resurrection yeah you know it's not it's not just that our soul would live on forever this this mm. go this you know modern perception of soul this kind right. of ghost-like thing um, but it's actually that we would have the hope of, of a resurrection that includes our body. And so there's mm-hmm. a sense that, okay, now that makes sense. You know, if I think about the biblical idea of, of soul is the whole person, then so is the the idea of the eternal destiny that we have is our yeah. whole person, you know, including our body. And so, yeah, so bringing all the pieces together um, in harmony, you know, that we would be connected to God, connected to one another, connected to creation, even mm. connected within ourselves. Yeah, all begins to make a little bit more sense now when we think about it that way. That's yeah. really what God's hope is and his design is for us. So, you know, living lives aligned to Jesus means working towards that connectedness or receiving the spirit of God that helps to connect us, um, you know, as, as part of our, our regular rhythms in our journey. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you've painted such a great picture for us of what the soul is. And, and I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm excited. The, the, my question is, how do we care for it? How do we, how do we start that journey? And what are the things in our lives that maybe are working against us caring for our soul or kind of what are the things that are disintegrating us? And how do we begin that journey of integration with our soul? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, there's probably two uh, big things. Obviously, you know, sin in our lives can be a disintegrating factor. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. But there's two other big things that um, I think are really important. We're going to talk about this a bit next week. But this idea of, of hurry, um, mm. you know, the sense that we're, we're constantly speeding up to fit more things in. I'm not necessarily talking about a, a productivity versus a lack of productivity. What I'm talking about is a um, kind of a hurried pace, a, a, a fear and anxiety driven pace 
um, that's kind of forcing us just to speed up and, and miss out on experiencing God at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one major thing um, that we need to do to care for our souls is we need to find a way to slow down and create space in our lives to to welcome uh, to welcome Christ, the Spirit of Christ. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, I think the other thing is so I think we need to get a better um, idea of like self-care versus soul care. And I talked about this a little on Sunday. Um, yeah. And I can even speak from my own life, you know, rather than pointing fingers at others. But, you know, there's so many kind of lazy practices, like things that I mm. enjoy, you know, maybe it's like watching a bunch of television or just eating comfort food, um, sleeping, you know, none of those things are bad, right? It's mm-hmm. okay to watch TV you know, mm. or, and, you know, experiencing art and entertainment. It's okay to eat great food. It's okay to sleep and rest and all that kind of stuff. But what I find is that when I'm feeling maybe depressed or worn out or feeling like there's a neediness within me, then I'm, I'm, I feel a craving towards those things. And so, you know, I, I do those things and I maybe call them self care. Mm. Um, but when I'm done with them, I might feel a little, a short period of a high, but then when I'm done with those, I actually sometimes feel more tired. Mm. I feel maybe more depressed. I feel you know, just physically not as, not as well. And I'm, I'm thinking, where's the big benefit? Where's the payoff for all the soul care I've been doing? Right. Um, but what I've really been doing is kind of more of a self-indulgence thing. You know, I've been, I've been, you know, just indulging myself in things that mm. I'm like, so again, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying there's something wrong with watching Netflix or sleeping or eating great food. But I think what's happening is that the, the, what I'm doing is misdirected. Um, because yeah. I'm kind of I'm indulging this craving within myself rather than actually seeking care for my soul, which predominantly comes through these rhythms and relationships that connect us with each other and with God. Um, yeah. I, yeah, so I, um, I often think about that as the difference between relaxing and resting. Um, okay. Like I, I, even in my own life, like I often am like, ah, I need to relax, right? But relaxing is often it can be kind of more self-indulgent. It can be, instead of getting exercise, I want to eat a bag of chips, which nothing wrong with eating a bag of chips from time to time, but I find, you know, why is it I'm not feeling well? I need to relax. Well, no, I actually need to rest. Um, And not that, again, going out for a run may not be resting, but it actually may be like, maybe what I need to do is take a break from my work or take a break from some of the stuff going on at home and like spend the time, invest in my soul, integrate myself well by going up for a run, by getting exercise, by doing these things, which is like, it's hard, right? Like we often soul care. I find um, when you come up to it, if you're not used to it, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like hard work. Um, and especially in this season, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm like, I, man, I just don't have capacity. Um, how do you, how do you overcome that hurdle? Cause I, like, I hear you and I'm like, yes, I need to do this. I want to do this. I think everyone's probably in the same boat. It's like making new year's resolutions, right? Like I want to be healthier. I want to have better rhythms, but you come up to that moment and you think, do I do the hard thing to kind of figure out how to align my life better and lean into rest? Or do I sit down and watch Netflix tonight? Well, Netflix usually wins. How, any advice as to how to help us do that or, or like relieve the pressure of that? Or I don't know. How do you, how do you live in that tension? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think the first thing that's really important is start small. Mm. I think so often when we try and think about this, this rule of life journey, we, we, we're talking about habits. We're talking about, you know, practices. We're talking about relationships. And, 
you know, the, the mistake we make is we kind of some, somehow kind of layer them all on top of each other thinking like we've got to do a hundred new things, you know? Yeah. And, and that's just not true. Um, you know, this process takes a long time. And so we need to really start small and I mean, even five more minutes today of yeah. kind of the awareness of God's presence is five more minutes than yesterday. So I think, you know, really breaking it down into these really small kind of attainable, uh, kind of things that we would put in place. I think also, you know, we've got to remember that, um, you know, spiritual formation in my mind is, is not so much goal oriented as much as it is process oriented. Hmm. And I think that makes it kind of tricky because culturally that's, that's not how we operate. (laughs) You know, we operate with a a set of goals that we're, you know, working towards, you know, lightning pace. Um, But what, what spiritual formation is and this idea of real life is more about process. So it's not how much of the Bible I've read or how long I prayed or, you know, something like that. But it's more, you know, what was the experience like as I sat with God in the quiet? Yeah. I mean, that's so good. And I like, I find this in myself and I expect many of us in our day and age will find, like, I approach, I approach soul care. I approach rule of life in a way that like, I want to be productive. I want to be good. Like, like I do anything else. I've only got limited time. I need to like get down and do it. And the funny thing is a rule of life that cares for my soul actually helps undo some of that attitude. Um, so coming in with that attitude doesn't work very well, right? Like it's not, okay, here's my list of 10 things I need to change and I need to do this, 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 and this, right? Like it is more about start small, start slow, um, and that is so hard for us. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta think about, you know, I think about the picture of like, uh, um, the Grand Canyon, maybe for instance, like mm. you know, I, I remember going to the Grand Canyon years ago and it's still one of the most fascinating experiences I've ever had in my entire life, but that was not built, you know, in a day, right? No. Uh, you know, no. thousands, some say millions of years, right? So there was this kind of this slow path that was being carved out um, mm. by the Colorado river that was running through. And I think that's what we're trying to do is, you know, just begin to create these pathways um, that help us mm-hmm. to have space where we can really connect with God. And so for, for most of us, that means finding some way to slow ourselves. Um, you know, and like I said, it could be five minutes to start with, but and just kind of creating this kind of repetitive path where, you know, we're increasingly, being confronted with the spirit of God in, in the most positive way. And um, yeah, it's becoming more natural for us. Yeah. So maybe I, like a, cha- a challenge, we might, you know, something really simple. We might just ask ourselves, you know, how many moments today can I, uh, you know, fill myself with a, a conscious awareness of God's presence? Like you hmm. know, what, like to see that happening over and over again, it's just a challenge. It might be, Oh, that didn't happen at all. Or maybe it was 30 seconds or maybe it was three hours, but you know, those are the kinds of things that we can do as well to get us started. Yeah, it's so good. Can I, um, I want to get slightly personal for a minute as we talk about rule of life. Uh, and I think both of us can share this. What's for, for you, Chris, because uh, I know we have been as a staff and as a board, we've been talking about rule of life for longer. And we're kind of, if you're listening along, you might still think this is new. I don't get it. And that's okay. Um, as, totally. as we have engaged in it, Chris, can you give me an example of something that you feel has been successful and something you've tried that maybe hasn't worked as well? Um, like what, where's a, where's a win and where's a, where's a fail of rule of life. And I can, I can start here. I know, um, I'll start with a failure because it's, it's easier to come to those than it is the successes. But I, I, like when I first started thinking about rule of life and reading about it, I, you know, looked at the exercises and wrote everything down and kind of like made this big plan. Um, and was like, okay, I'm going to change these 
10 different things. And quickly what happened is I ignored all of them because it was way too much, right? There's like, I can't, there's no way, there's not enough time in the day. And like, they're all the right things. If I look at the, that rule of life that I wrote, like that's the, that's the integrated person that I want to be sure. Um, but it also didn't recognize some of the realities of my life and the season of my life and the, the responsibilities. So like, it wasn't, it wasn't helpful to kind of write down the ideal version of myself. Uh, and then the things that have been a win, I mean, one of them, um, for a while, and I got out of the habit of it, but was praying the, uh, uh, um, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, what is that called? It's one of the, the very simple prayers. It's kind of a liturgical prayer. Um, and, and it's just like this really quick, you know, what, 10 words uh, that, that you can repeat in your mind a hundred times a day. And something that I just carried with me. And I was like, I just want to like remind myself of that. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is Lord have mercy. God has a ton of mercy. And like, I am a sinner and that like, God still loves me. But like that, that for me is, was such a helpful way to practice God's presence and to kind of experience this integration of, of soul. Um, so I, I think there's, yeah, those, like when I tried to do everything and say, I'm going to get this much exercise, I'm going to do this and this and this and all of this, like it didn't, didn't work well. And, and when I did the other things, it, something simple, it really did help. What, yeah. what about you? As you've thought about rule of life, as you've been on this journey, what's, um, what's worked or not? Yeah, I mean, well, lots of things have been tough. I mean, I think one of the biggest things for me and also what I've heard from others is it's often hard to kind of integrate your whole family into the rule of life stuff. You know, you yeah. sometimes we get really excited about rule of life. You know, we've heard about it here at church or we've had a conversation. We're like, okay, I'm going to you know, start, you know, make changes some rhythms but then you've got two, three, four other people maybe in your household, you know, um, uh, and, and so you're, you know, they're not all on board at the same rate or the same yeah. place, and so yep. you know, you're trying to, you know, set up a time of Sabbath rest, and you're trying to do silence, and you're trying to do this, but other people are doing things differently. So I think that's one thing that's obviously a challenge. Um, you know, for me, anything in the morning, like I'm not a morning mm. person. So, you know, I think there's a certain sense where I've always tried to like, no, you know, stuff in the morning is so critical, so important, and um, I've often failed at that. And so I have kind of learned to change my routines where like my yeah. morning encounter with God might be just a few minutes, right. you know, to acknowledge, you know, the start of the day and to offer a quick prayer, you know, that, um, you know, I would be aware of God's presence throughout the day, but I don't necessarily try and do a long, you know, time of Bible study or a long time of prayer in the morning. So some of it's kind of trial and error and you learn, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to work. I think the one thing that I've had success with that has been maybe the most beneficial for me in this early stage of embracing real life is, has been just a few moments of silence. Mm. And when I say that, I'm not talking like hours, like I'm, I'm not spending hours of silence, but like I usually do some type of a, a short reading kind of, uh, you know, mid morning and just doing two or three minutes of silence before that. And after that has been yeah. absolutely critical to changing my whole mindset and my whole experience in that. Um, it makes me so much more aware of, I think what God's trying to communicate through those readings and that time of prayer. Um, it's short, but it really, really matters. And it's hard. Like it's yeah. actually hard to have just those two or three minutes. Um, but I would say that really reframes my day and doing that over and over again has been a big deal for me. So I would recommend uh, it. That's so good. And I'm, I'm excited, um, for Chris, for you to continue to help us kind of think about rule of life. And, uh, as we, we keep digging into this, we are, we're out of time. Uh, okay. any, any brief closing thoughts for us today? Anything um, to look forward to next week? 
yeah, that's right. Well, next week, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of confronting some of our fear and our anxiety, um, particularly this idea of eliminating hurry and kind of slowing. So I think it'll be a good challenge for us. Um, but yeah, I would just say, you know, as people are thinking through this concept of rule of life, keep asking questions. Um, certainly, you know, we're available, I think, to talk with people as, yeah. as they want to talk these things through. Um, but yeah, I would just say maybe that first challenge for you is just, you know, spending five minutes um, maybe today. It's just like becoming aware of God's presence, just kind of being consciously aware of what's going on and just seeing if that can become a practice for you um, and then see how that might morph for change as you continue to learn and experiment with other things that might be helpful. So, yeah. Love it. All right. Well, thank you for listening along this week to Postscript. We will be back next week with more.